Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, Associate Editor Mark Demko. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. You know, as we're here today, it's uh, mid November, prime whitetail season on the East Coast, the Midwest. Um, but I'm really excited to have a guest from California today. It's um, a former college wrestling All-American, UFC champion, um, Chad Mendes. Chad, thanks so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to join us on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Now, you're known for your your wrestling and, and your, your fighting career, but you've been a passionate bow hunter for longer than uh, you did that. And so that's probably a great jumping off point. Uh, if I remember correctly, you and I talked a, a, a couple of years ago, you actually got started in your hunting career with a bow in hand. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was actually, uh, I mean, it really stems back to probably five, six years old. My dad used to take those old uh, um, fiberglass flags that you put behind like a, an ATV or something when you're driving in the dunes and put two slits and then a, a fishing braid line, bend it, basically make my own bow and arrows. Same thing with the arrow. He cut a little slit in one. And I used to go around the neighborhood and, you know, if there were pigeons or dove on the ground or something, try to sneak around corners and, and shoot them with it. I obviously never got anything with it, but, uh, <laughs> shoot cans and stuff in the backyard for hours after school. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I've always had a passion, uh, for the stick and string. I, I don't know where that necessarily comes from. I don't think my dad was really, um, a big bow hunter. He did it, um, as I started getting older and stuff and, you know, but I don't think he was, um, you know, super, super passionate about it. Um, it was just another season for him to hunt here in California. So um, I don't know where that came from, but that's pretty much where it all started. But uh, my my first deer kill was actually with a bow and arrow. I had an old uh, PSC Nova that I, you know, mowed lawns over the summer to get enough money to 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 buy. And it was a, a used one that my other friend and, and one of my teammates in wrestling had and was getting rid of. And I saved up enough money to buy it and practice got it all set up practice with it uh for a long time and that was my first deer kill and it was here in, in california uh it was a little you know mule deer blacktail hybrid just a tiny little fork spike you know uh just barely legal but uh i remember yesterday first first time and tracked blood for quite a while found him um, and we actually ended up getting lost in the middle of the night, <laughs> trying to get that thing back to camp. Me and my dad and my brothers, we all split up. Uh, my dad went up the ridge to try to go get the truck. And we went the other way down the bottom and got dark and got lost and uh, ended up having to, we ended up stumbling into somebody's campsite in the middle of the night, thank God. And they gave us a ride back to our camp. And then my dad ended up finding the truck later and getting back. Uh, with us so kind of a crazy story but yeah that was uh definitely a hunt i will never forget yeah and obviously that sort of was the springboard for a lifelong passion and in, in big game bow hunting do you still have time do you still make time to do some blacktail hunting um in california oh for sure every year um you know i don't really go down to where i grew up hunting much that was d7 which is like central it's like the sierras down in the central valley um up out of Fresno, kind of up in the, that mountain range. But I do, I, I moved up near Sacramento. So I'm up here in Northern Cali now and um, mm -hmm. do a lot of California deer hunting up here. Um, I've been blessed over the last few years to connect on some really big California deer. Um, and I, I absolutely love it. I don't know, I, I'm guessing because I grew up here, but you know, a, 
uh, 160, 170 inch blacktail to me is like a 220 inch mule deer. You know, most of them aren't pure blacktail. We get, we get crossbreeds up here where I'm at, but still, it's just something about those Cali bucks. When you find, when you find a stud to me, it means so much. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and uh, obviously you, you try to make some time to do a bit of traveling throughout the year. I know one of your passions is, is elk hunting and you got a pretty big bowl earlier in the year in Arizona, right? Sure. That story. I think you were hunting on the uh, San Carlos reservation. Yeah. That's ridiculously uh, amazing bull. Thank you very much. I don't, I don't, it's going to be tough to top that one in my lifetime. I think uh, we just, so we had, we had a video of that bull um, once like a month before I killed him. And so we got to see him before he was broken up and everything. Um, and so I was able to re get everything rebuilt, which was cool um right around that 440 mark man it's unbelievable <laughs> it's uh you know not the biggest frame the bull ever but he's just got stuff all over the place and his mass is insane yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough one to beat but um I've, I've watched cam haynes hunt the saint carlos for years you know i've had other buddies that have hunted it over the last you know decade and uh you know i just it was always something that it was kind of a goal of mine. Like, God, oh, man, one day I hope I ever, you know, get to hunt the San Carlos and, you know, years and years of getting punched in the face and, uh, you know, the hard work that I put in, in that side of it's now allowed me to be able to get out there and hunt a place like that. And I gotta say, it's definitely lived up to all its hype. I mean, that place was unreal. Um, praying that, you know, moving forward, I'll get to do it again someday. Who knows? But yeah, man, that place was really, really cool. Yeah, and and obviously that that's a world class bull and uh, an incredible experience. But uh, uh, in addition to the bull, what's the first thing that jumps out of you when you think back at that hunt this year? Was there anything that stands out to you about the experience? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of a cool situation. Like I, we had no idea. Me and my buddies went out there, and I used Dustin uh, with Native Hunting Adventures. He's a um, a tribe member there, a guy that knows that place like the back of his hand. And so it was him, and I brought two buddies. Um, and, you know, everybody was just as excited as I was because they wanted to just experience it and just be a part of the San Carlos, you know, and um, you know, we killed them on day one. I actually showed up five days late to the season because I got my dates mixed up and had our fins and feathers elk hunt up in Oregon that overlapped the opener. So by the time I got back, unpacked, spent a little family time, I was already five days into to my season um, and I showed up and, you know, that morning we got in on a, on a pocket, just a good pocket of bulls that you could hear them screaming all around. We had a close call in like a 330, 340 type bull, um, which I was a hundred percent okay shooting. I had already told all my buddies, like if a, a mature bull like that walks out, I'm not passing it. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm completely happy with the 330, 340 type bull. And got close that morning. We basically trailed the herd as they moved up the Canyon to bed. And as soon as they got quiet, we backed out. And then went back to camp, tried, you know, eating, napping, game planning, went back in there in the evening and about 530, they started firing back up. So, you know, again, we had no idea that my bull was even there. I mean, that we had spotted him a month before that. The one time I'd never seen him again. Dustin had never seen him again. Uh, so we were basically just kind of spitballing an area that he was, we were hoping he was in. Uh -huh. So we start sneaking it on the herd and you know, there's bulls screaming up and over this ridge right in front of us. So we start making our way up and my bull sounds off inside of a hundred, like off to our left. So like, oh, that one's pretty close. Sounds good. Let's just get set up. 
So I put my buddy Nate back about 50, 60 yards behind me. He's yep. calling uh, my other buddies in between me and him. And he's filming on his phone. And then Dustin's like right behind me. And we, after, I don't know, probably 30 minutes of back and forth calling, we finally, I finally see a glimpse of his legs kind of walking through the trees out in front of me at about 80 yards. And I can see he's working my way, but he's going to come off to my left. So I basically reposition. And it, of course, it's a wall of trees and brush right there. There's like not really much of a shooting lane, except for maybe a paper plate or smaller size through this opening. And then past that, it looks like it opens up. So I'm like, all right, he's probably, if he's going to walk through, that's going to be my only opportunity. So, you know, 10, 15 more minutes goes by. And finally, he's sounded off a few times. He's getting closer and closer. And finally, I see the tip of his nose and I can see parts of his fronts. And that's pretty much it. He's broadside to me off to my left. And in my mind, I'm like, that's got to be a 330 or better bull. Like, I'm, if this thing steps out, I'm shooting it. Had no idea it was that bull. And he sits there and he's, you know, looking around. You're not really calling. We're calling. My buddy's calling behind. He's quiet, quiet, but I can see him just looking. And multiple times I feel the wind kind of touch me on the back and then back in my face. And I can tell it's just starting to get easy. And then the whole time I'm like, he's about to bust any second. And finally, he, I see that front foot lift up and he starts to walk forward. And as soon as I saw his chest touch that opening, I drew back, which led him right. Basically, he, he saw or felt the movement and, and paused, but it was like right in that opening was, was it where his vital. So settled 60 yards, hammered him. And again, still have no idea what bullet is. He runs off and we're, you know, pumped. We just made a good shot on a bull. You know, it seemed like a good bull. And we're sitting there for about 30 minutes, walk over, uh, examine the arrow sitting there. Looks like a good hit. We walk about 20 yards and we see his body laying there. And it, we can't see his head still. So I sneak up and I just put another one in just to be safe. And he was he was dead there. But as we walked up, we come around the brush and all of us just freaked out. You know, like <laughs> we had no idea that that's what it was. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy. Out of, there was probably six or seven bulls right there that happened to be the one that came in, you know. And so I, t I told my buddies it was fate, I think, just meant to be, I guess. But uh, it was a really cool experience having my buddies there. You know, again, that was day one. So I, I didn't get to hunt the San Carlos as much as I would have liked. But for a bull like that, I'll take it and be happy with it for the rest of my life. So, um, yeah, man, it was a cool experience. And um, I'm just glad my buddies got to be there to kind of see the whole thing go down, especially on a bull like that, too. So it was definitely fun. Well, congratulations. That's that's an amazing, amazing bull. And uh, um, now do you have any other archery trips you have planned this fall? Is there any place else you're heading out to hunt personally? Oh man, we're looking at about 25 different trips I've done this year, uh, between fins and feathers, guiding and personal stuff. My wife's about to cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, I got, I got one more fins and feathers trip next week. We have our, uh, fins and feathers, Cowell gunworks Academy where we're, we're taking clients out. We're going to teach them how to shoot long range. And then we take those those skills that we teach them and go on a three-day cow elk hunt. And that's that's going to be about a week long. Um, and that's the last trip on our fins and feathers schedule. I promised the wife at least all of December and the rest of November, I wouldn't book anything else. So um, I do typically go out to Ohio with my buddy Zach every January, usually that first or second week in January um, for Whitetown. 
you know, that's still a possibility. That's an archery hunt. Um, but as of right now, I don't have anything hundred percent locked in for the rest of the year. Yeah. yeah. Understandable when you're traveling so much, but now you mentioned, um, fins and feathers a couple of times, uh, talk about that a little bit, why you started, what your passion is for that. And I mean, that's obviously a unique experience where people can come together, learn, um, and they get to hunt with professional athletes and celebrities and things like that. But how did you start that? Um, so it was, we launched it back in 2015, right at the end of 2015. Um, but I think we started me and a good friend of mine, Mike Papa, um, started game planning on something maybe three or four years before that. Um, I knew in my fight career, looking at, at other teammates and buddies that finished their fight career and some of them, you know, struggling to find what was next in life, like what, what was going to be the next moneymaker for them? Cause it's, you know, it's, it's relatively a short career in the fight world. I mean, 40 is like pushing it, you know, and 40, the rest of your life could be a long time. So it's like, what do we do? Once you're done fighting, you don't get any more money. It's not like we're on a, on a retirement plan after that, or it's, you only get paid if you get in there and fight. So my thought was like, how could I create something doing something I absolutely love probably more than anything on earth, you know, make money doing it and get it and get to travel, meet really cool people um, that share the same passions as me. And, and basically live my dream is what I, is what I always tell my buddy. But, uh, fins and feathers was kind of what we came up with. It's a, it's a way basically for us to travel around, you know, bring clientele on different hunting and fishing trips that we put together all over the world. You know, we go down into Mexico, we've gone to New Zealand, all over the United States. Um, you know, and, and what makes it different than just booking a guided trip with another guide is that, you know, a bunch of my buddies that are in the UFC, Bellator, pro ball players, uh, actors, they all have the same passions uh, as all of us uh, for hunting and fishing. And, you know, basically what we do is we take those guys, we'll book a group of clientele and me and say a, a, a buddy who plays professional basketball or football or another fighter will go along with these clients on the trips. We hunt with them. So we're all in camp sitting around a campfire, you know, telling stories of, you know, how the, the day's hunts went and, you know, building that camaraderie, getting to experience something with the clientele and they get to do it with these athletes. They probably wouldn't honestly get to do anywhere else on earth. You know, you can go to a meet and greet, maybe shake a hand, take a picture, maybe talk for two or three minutes and then get out of line and next person up. And it's just not the same thing. We all know the type of bond you build with people in hunting camp or on a fishing boat you know, sharing a glass of whiskey, telling stories around the campfire. It's something that you can't really get anywhere else. So um, we basically brainstormed for about three or four years on this and came up with fins and feathers. Um, you know, we launched right at the end of 2015 and had 2016 as our first full year, had no clue how it was going to go. We started off, I think that year with, I think we only did about 10 trips and mm -hmm. sold out everything in a matter of like three months or something like that. And so I was like, well, it seems like it's taking people are, are down for it, you know, cause it's, you know, at times kind of seems a little conceited or, you know, we've gone to these expos and some of the older crowd is like, well, what makes you think I want to hunt with a celebrity? What makes you think I think you're a celebrity? And it's, we're not trying to come off in that sense. It's just adding a different um, angle to the hunting world and being able to share those fun times in camps with somebody that you might watch on TV, play a sport. We're no different than anybody else. I'm not trying to say that we are as a 
quote unquote celebrity. It's just something that you probably wouldn't get to do anywhere else. And a lot of people are into it. Some people are not, but um, you know, we sold out basically each year, just started growing our trips uh, and, and continuing to sell things out. And, and it's been fun. I, I honestly feel like I'm living my dream. There's so many of those times where I'm out there fishing on a tuna boat with, you know, 32 clients, you know, drinking tequila and catching big old bluefin tuna. And I'm like, how the hell am I getting paid to do this? This is, I feel like I'm like robbing the system here or something. So, you know, I feel like I'm living my dream and, you know, I, I definitely uh, feel honored to be able to do something like this, you know, and uh, it's, it's just something that I, I feel very special to be able to do. So um, hopefully that this continues, you know, 10, 15, 20 more years down the road. Um, and I get to just keep doing this with, cool clientele, cool people that are into the hunting and fishing. Um, honestly, we get a lot of people too that aren't, aren't into hunting and fishing that are trying to get into it, um, which is very cool. Getting to teach the ways, teach teach all the things that I've learned over the years from my dad or you know family members or other friends that are better hunters or whatever, and just kind of pass that that uh, tradition down. It's is pretty, is pretty special to me. Yeah, now you mentioned that you do a lot of trips throughout the year. Is there is there one of experience that you offer that really stands out to you that you love to do year in and year out? Yeah, there's a few. I mean, obviously, archery elk hunting is probably my favorite thing to do. Um, we do have a Fins and Feathers archery elk hunt that we use with Opal Butte Outfitters up out of uh, Northeast Oregon. Uh, nice Rocky Mountain bulls up there. Lots of elk. Um, man, that one's usually probably my favorite trip of the whole year. Um, I do really, really enjoy our, our tuna trips. Uh, you know, they're two or three days out on the water, big, you know, hundred foot boat. Um, it's, it's pretty much like a cruise with tuna fishing, you know, you got cooks on board cooking all these amazing meals for us. And, you know, we got tequila and whiskey sponsors. So you're sipping, sipping some nice alcohol throughout the day in the sun and catching big old fish. It's pretty tough to beat that, but all in all, I think the hunting, uh, the big bull elk screaming in your face with the bow in hand is, is pretty cool. We are starting, this is our, we're actually the Academy I just explained earlier is our yeah. first year doing one of these. Um, and we have some really cool ones in the works for next year. Um, basically where we're teaching guys from start to finish, um, how to take your rifle, um, build it out, you know, do all the scope mounting and dialing mm -hmm. it in and, and then teaching them how to shoot long range we have one in Texas where we have a uh, Navy, a couple Navy SEALs that are going to be showing all this and teaching the whole course. Um, so start to finish building your rifle, getting it dialed in, how to shoot different angles, how to shoot long range, all these cool tips and tactics for that part. And then we go out and do a trophy audad hunt um, down there in Southern Texas. It's five-star lodging, amazing food. Um, I think it's going to be a really cool experience and I'll be there. We'll probably have one of our other guys with us, maybe like a Dan Henderson or TJ Dillashaw or someone like that, that is also into it. So, um, we're starting to do these now where it's, um, more geared towards beginner hunters, but not always, you know, for guys that have hunted their whole life, but just want to learn from a Navy SEAL on all the proper ways to shoot and stuff like that. I think that's going to be a cool experience for those types of guys. Um, and just a cool vacation to get away. If, you know, there's a pool if they want to have some alcohol or, you know, hang out by the pool and eat some good food and relax. I mean, that's part of it also. So, um, I think these academies are going to be pretty cool, uh, moving forward. I'm pretty excited to keep rolling those ones out. 
Well, good luck with those. And uh, one thing I do want to touch on before we we get off topic there is uh, you mentioned that uh, in the midst of everything you do with uh, fins and feathers and the hunts you go on and stuff, uh, you try to make time to go whitetail hunting. You actually do a, a good bit of whitetail hunting, including those late season bow hunts in Ohio. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. What's the three things you have to have in your backpack when you go deer hunting? Well, you, you can't go archery hunting without them. What are they? Are you talking about just for whitetail? Yeah, just for whitetail. So. For me, it's food first and foremost, because I, I eat, I have to eat something like every hour. I'm just, you know, revved up, I guess, but, uh, definitely solid snacks. Um, whitetail, you know, obviously being stationary and, and staying put some type of scent control. I use a lot of the lethal products. Um, you know, that's probably my go-to for that type of stuff. Um, and then third, I mean, a solid rangefinder, I think is money especially during the rut. I mean, if you're sitting over bait, that's one thing, you know, it's 18, 20, 30 yards or whatever it is. But during the rut, man, that, that, you know, obviously they can come in from any angle and they don't stay put for very long, you know? So at one second, they might be 18. The next thing they're at 42, you know, if you don't have a quick reading range finder or something that's handy and quick and, you know, something that you can range spots or know exactly where they're at, it definitely could, could uh, haunt you, which is, it definitely has happened for me trying to guess in the heat of the moment and been off on big bucks. And I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have just taken two more seconds to just range it and know, you know? So I'd say those three things, at least in my backpack are probably uh key, the most key. Yeah. And, and I agree on the range finder. I, I get upset if I forget mine once in a while. And uh, it's it's just so important when, when, when you're hunting deer, because they can come in from anywhere. So, um, you know, the other thing I want to ask you, what's your bow setup you're currently shooting? What, what have you been shooting most of the fall as far as your bow, your arrows, your broadheads? Yeah. So I, this year, I'm, I, I use the Venom Pro, the Hoyt Venom Pro. Um, honestly, it's probably my favorite Hoyt that they've ever built. I don't know if it's just the setup that was done you know, I have a good archery shop here locally, mainly because I just don't trust myself <laughs> most of the time with some of that stuff. Uh, and I've had buddies that have been doing it since they were little kids. So I bring that in there, uh, wilderness archery right here in, in Northern California. Um, and we get that thing set up, but man, that's probably the smoothest, at least for me, quietest setup that I've had with Hoyt. Um, and I've worked with those guys for probably five years now, um, maybe six, um, but yeah, so I, I shoot that sucker. I killed pretty much, well, I killed everything archery wise with that bow this year. Um, running the killing sticks arrows there. Um, it's a arrow company out of Canada. Again, that's a good buddy of mine. Um, and so he's, he's set me up with their top notch stuff for the last probably five years. Also, um, broadheads for elk. I was using the muzzy trocars um fixed it's a fixed blade i like those three those things fly just phenomenal with my setup um i like the way they shoot um i like the way they penetrate um so I, I, as far as deer or anything smaller a lot of times i'll even go to the the mechanicals um i've used used the rage uh, no collars the last couple years um uh, which have treated me well you know obviously the the debate on on broadhead usage is uh each person is going to tell you something different and what works and what doesn't. But for me personally, from experience, those two broadheads have treated me very well. So I'll probably continue using those until the end or until something changes. But um, yeah. And then optics wise, uh, my rangefinder, I have a, a Leica. I got um, 
binos, the Suaros. That's pretty much, you know, all my, my long range stuff I've, I've been using, uh, I have the BTXs, which are phenomenal for a lot of our fins and feathers, long range, like West, our, our Western hunts where we're out in Utah, Colorado, where we're glassing, you know, miles. So it's nice not having to, to squint an eye for an hour and a half through a spotting scope. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much, and then camel I'm, you know, I've worked with Kuyu for probably seven, eight years now. Absolutely love all their stuff. Um, did my backcountry sheep hunt I'm using all their stuff this year and last time too, and have nothing but good things to say about all that stuff. So. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. And, and, you know, uh, Hoyt, obviously, incredible bows and uh i'm uh, partial to the, the muzzy trail cars as well so it's interesting that you brought that up but uh you know i wanted to touch a little bit on, on your fighting career but i wanted to come at it from a different perspective um is there anything you know that you learned from bow hunting that you might have carried into um the ring with you is there anything that you think you took away from this sport uh that you took into your career i mean i think the biggest thing you know i get asked that a lot like if there's any correlation between the two and i think there, there are and discipline is probably the first thing that comes to mind. Um, you know, being an athlete, wrestling my whole life, jumping into the fight world, you know, discipline is probably the most important part of any of that, you know, cutting weight. So putting down the junk food and not going out and partying and drinking with everybody in college on the weekends and, you know, making sure I get this sleep on time so that I get enough sleep for recovery you know, making sure that I'm making weight for each tournament on time or match on time. You know, there's a ton of discipline, you know, not wanting to get up and go run at nine o'clock at night after you've already practiced twice in the wrestling room that day, you know, just for weight management, that type of stuff. But you get up and do it, you know, the same thing in the in the archery world. I mean, as a little kid, I remember, you know, and, and this is true today. If I don't put the time in behind the bow on the practice range. In the heat of the moment, I'd say over half the time you're going to screw it up. And I've seen it happen. You know, there's been years where, you know, I definitely didn't shoot as much as I should have before season leading up to it or just staying consistent enough because things were too busy or, you know, if training camps were basically back to back and it's, you know, you, you work out at the gym all day and then your only time to shoot is, you know, come home right before dinner or and it just doesn't happen, you know, and. I, I, I notice that in the heat of the moment, you know, it, it definitely goes wrong more than it goes right. I'd say uh, those times that I didn't put the time in this year. I mean, knock on wood, I had a phenomenal year with the bow. I put probably more time in on the range, you know, the last year leading up to this year's season, probably than I ever have. Um, and just felt so confident and comfortable every time an animal stepped out this year, um, knowing that I had some really big hunts, especially these elk hunts. Uh, and I just did not want to screw it up. So, you know, I was getting up at five 30 every morning and getting out before my, my daughters and my wife got up out of bed, having that quiet alone time to sit there and shoot for, you know, sometimes it was only 30 minutes. Sometimes it was an hour, but I got, got the reps in almost every single day. And, uh, and it just felt so good when you're out there. So discipline, I'd say, uh, is probably the, the, the main thing that transfers over both, both ways, you know? And, um, I'd say that's probably the thing that if anything from the archery world that, that relays back to the training world for fighting and wrestling, that's probably it. You, you mind if I asked you how you mentioned your daughter, how old's your daughter? 
my oldest is three and a half and my youngest is one years old. Well, congratulations. And uh, are you going to introduce them to archery? Maybe not hunting, but archery when the, they're age appropriate? 100%. So my three and a half year old's already been archery hunting with me. She's not hunting herself, but uh, this this spring, this last spring, um, night before we went and set up our turkey blind and got our decoys all out there, got our, you know, everything set up and woke her up, you know, an hour before light. We got our camo and face paint on and we drove out and got in the blind and uh, I had three toms come in and, you know, I got one with my bow right there with her and she was super excited, um, you know, and I, I think, I think she's into it. It seems like she's, she's more of the daddy's girl. My other daughter is kind of the mama's girl as of right now. Um, but I think my oldest is kind of the the little tomboy and she's going to be my little hunting partner, I think. So we'll see. Well, that's wonderful. I wish you like my daughter would follow me around when she still thought I was cool. She's 16 now, so I'm not as, I'm <laughs> yeah. not as cool anymore, but one last question, because I know you have to catch a, a flight. I believe you're, you're heading out to Arizona this afternoon. And yes, what's your coolest archery hunting memory ever? When you think back now, you've obviously been bow hunting oh, over two decades. What's, your, what's the memory that jumps to mind? Oh, man, archery. I mean, in all honesty, I'd say it's kind of funny. My last archery kill and my first archery kill. So that, that Arizona bull, that whole thing was... Just the way that all played out was phenomenal. The the quality of the bull was obviously something that, you know, it's a lifetime bull. But my first archery kill that we talked about in the beginning of this, you know, having that memory of training, getting that bow, like saving my money to be able to buy the bow, getting all set up, training with it, and then getting out there and killing my first deer with that bow. I mean, I don't know. I'll definitely never forget that. And it's I'd say those two are pretty close to being even there. So it's kind of it's kind of cool the first and and the last as of now. We'll see though, but hopefully we can top it. Well, it's a great way to book in. I still remember my very first year I got. I don't remember the years and where I got some of the other ones, but uh, uh, that's a great way to wrap things up. I know you have to head out of town, so thank you so much for joining us. Good luck for your last few hunts that you have this fall heading into winter, and for everybody who is listening here on the Bow Hunting Podcast, good luck when you get out this fall. We'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.